Hello, my name is Brendan Wenzel, and I am the author and illustrator of the book, They All Saw a Cat. Welcome to The Urn, a School Library Journal production. I'm Travis Yonker. You read They All Saw a Cat, right? It was one of the most beautiful and original picture books of 2016. And people took notice. It garnered countless glowing reviews and awards, including a Caldecott honor. Where did the idea come from? How did that idea become a book? And what was it like getting a call from the Caldecott Committee? Last summer in Chicago, I sat down with the book's creator, Brendan Wenzel. We talked about all these things and more. It's time to unravel. They all saw a cat. They all saw a cat is about a brown striped tabby cat with a little red collar and a gold bell that uh, essentially just goes for a walk. And the book uh, is not about anything particularly interesting that happens to the cat, but um, explores how all these different animals that it crosses paths with um, over the course of a few days all kind of perceive it and experience it in their own unique way and how uh, factors like emotion and location and physiology all kind of um, uh, shape what they what they what they see and what they experience. One day, uh, I was in my kitchen and I saw this mouse had been eating um, just eating food in my pantry. I think it had broken up like a packet of crackers or something, and. Um, I thought like, oh, I should get a cat to take care of this mouse um, because, you know, my parents have a cat and they certainly don't have a mouse problem. Um, and then I started thinking about um, experiences I had overseas. And the, one of the ones that immediately popped into, he- into my head was uh, uh, taking this, uh, this group of kids that I worked with in Nepal to a place called Bardia National Park. Um, which is a really, which is fantastic tiger habitat. Um, and so essentially for a day, it was myself, two guides, and then I think 15, eight-year-olds just on foot walking in tiger country. And I'm walking around with these kids, and it was, I mean, it's, it was one of my favorite days of all time, but it was also as one of the only few chaperones extremely stressful, and you experience what it's like to be, you know, not at the top of the food chain and entirely vulnerable um, and having, you know, you have a large carnivorous mammal that could be hiding in any, you know, any, you know, bush or thicket like um, that, that, uh, that you kind of encounter. And so um, anyway, I'm in my kitchen and I'm thinking about this and I thought like that would be a horrible thing to put a mouse through. Like, like that was one day of my life, but this poor mouse is going to be going through that, you know, every day for the rest of its life. Um, and then suddenly I, I had, you know, one of those moments where I just charged back up to the studio and started writing. Once I had the mouse image, then kind of the next step was creating that list of other animals that were going to make an appearance. And so I thought about, you know, this cat going for a walk and everything that would bump into. Uh, there were animals that I'd, that I'd read about um, that I really wanted to find a way to work into the book, like elephants and dolphins, and, um, and I think an octopus would have been a really cool animal to kind of explore, but clearly given the setting, they, they wouldn't work. Um, and so I, once I had my list and the kind of general rhythm of the book, uh, then, I, then I went about just finding out as much as I could about how 
these animals really did uh, see the world from a scientific standpoint. Um, also with the understanding that I would probably, I would, I would at some point be taking a pretty hard left turn into, um, into the world of uh, artistic interpretation because it, these are certainly not supposed to be scientific um, renderings, but I did want them to, I did want them to draw as much as possible on, um, on um, how, you know, get as close as I could to how the world actually works. So from there, once I had my list uh, and, I, and I kind of learned as much as I could about these animals, I would basically try to get into character and, and wake up in the morning and kind of say to myself, like, all right, today you're a, today you're a bee or today you're a snake and, um, and imagine what it would be like to be them and, and what, you know, what they would do throughout the course of a day, how they would see the world, how they would not only see a cat, but how they would experience everything. I first sent the dummy to my agent Steve, uh, and he took a look at it. and And my initial concern was that uh, it was something that had already existed. Um, and so I kind of held my breath and just crossed my fingers that it, something like this wasn't out there. Um, and of course, when I found out that it it was something like a relatively new idea, um, that's when I really, really um, started to get hopeful that we might find someone who was interested. Um, and so then, yeah, I, I had this this great opportunity of going, being able to kind of hop around and talk to a, a few incredibly, uh, a few incredible uh, uh, editors who who uh, were interested, um, which was was a lot of fun. I think towards the end of the process, I talked to Jeannie from Chronicle, um, and we just had we had a such a great talk. And and I still wasn't sure if they were, you know, I wasn't sure if they were going to um, reach out about you know picking it up. Thankfully, they did, and I, you know, I got that call, and it was just a really, really nice moment when, when I realized that that's, that's the house it was going to be going to. The Caldecott call was, I mean, it was, it's incredible, you know, and I think it was about maybe 6.30 or 7 in the morning, and from what, I'd, from what I'd heard, those calls normally come. I thought they came at like 3 or 4 in the morning. I thought that was part of the fun is that they kind of woke you up in the middle of the night. So I had gotten up to start the day and just went, all right, well, that's, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like I'm sure there are hundreds of other illustrators around the country just going like, or authors and illustrators going like, okay, well, that's, you know, best of luck to whoever, <laughs> whoever did get that call. Um, and so when the alarm started going off, I, I actually thought it was for New York street cleaning. So if you, I'm sure this is like many urban places, you know, you have to move your car for street cleaning three times, three times a week. And uh, it was really, it was like a really rainy day. It was really awful outside. It was very cold. Um, and so the alarm started going off and I went like, all right, well, we're going to, we're going to do this. And um, I went to pick it up and saw that it was, uh, I think it was Atlanta. So it was an Atlanta number. And then that's when I kind of, at that point, still, I was like, no, this is, this can't, you know, this is every, you know, thinking of any, every possible other reason that someone could be calling me. And then I picked it up and then, you know, and 15 people cheering in one of the greatest moments you can possibly imagine. So it was, it was wonderful. And, and uh, yeah, I just feel so, so grateful and so lucky that, you know, that the, it, it really does feel like the stars align. Thank you, Brendan Wenzel, for the interview. Thank you, Philip Stead, for our theme music. Additional music for this episode by Lee Rosevere from the Free Music Archive. 
You can contact us via email at theyarnpodcast at gmail.com and visit us online at the School Library Journal website. I'm Travis Yonker. Thanks for listening.